In the headlines tonight, oxygen, is it really that good for you? Stock values fluctuate for manufacturers of squiggly line graphs. And Sterling's top surgeon discovered to actually have a PhD in geography. Well, I am a doctor. This is your 108.3 EARFM local and state news, coming to you live from Sterling, genuine capital of Eastern Australia, with your host, Walter Conrad. Good evening. We break with some investigative journalism this week, taking you live to the Percolta Nickel Mine in the state's west, where our intrepid reporter Preston Barkley is about to undergo a dangerous mission, which is sure to make for nail-biting live journalism and may guarantee us any number of local and national media awards. Are you there, Preston? Walter, I'm here outside the abandoned Percolta Nickel Mine in the state's west, where it's believed that the Brad Henry's government of the 1980s may have struck a very dodgy deal to store nuclear waste. In mere moments, I'll don the headgear of my radiation suit to venture inside. How do you plan to navigate the mine? I have a very worn map that was given to me by a man in a checkered shirt at the local petrol station, which details the tunnels beneath the mountain. It looks like if I venture through the stalactite stalagmite jaws, take a right at the forbidden zone, and keep low in the very long chamber full of poisonous gas, I should find the site where the waste is alleged to be buried. Have we gained any further information on the nature of this alleged waste storage over the last several weeks? It's still unclear whether this agreement was with a private business or a foreign government, but assuming the deadly barrels of waste are stamped with a big... Easy to read labels indicating their point of origin, we should be able to find out. And is there any truth to the rumours that the abandoned Percolta nickel mine in the state's west was abandoned because it became haunted by a malevolent race of bunyips with a native title claim to the location? I suppose we'll find out. It's either that or the nickel ran out. I'm picking up my helmet now. Good luck, Preston. Incidentally, is there any reason why you're doing this and not state reporter Sam Castaway, our go-to man for out-of-sterling activities? He's scared of the bunyips, country boy. Besides, he's back in Shelley Shore doing a report on schoolies. All right, the helmet is going on. This is Preston Barkley for EARFM. Preston Barkley there, risking life and limb to unearth dirt on a dead man. We go over to Sam Castaway with that report on schoolies. I'm in Shelley Shore, where annual post-high school celebrations have a tradition of getting out of hand. A record was set this year when over 800 local residents' boats were stolen by school leavers having a bit of fun. Local police constable Ben Simmons had this to say. Oh, well, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Boys will be boys, girls will be girls, all that. Who hasn't stolen a boat or two in their time? They normally bring them back, and the ones that do sink can be easily filled with fake treasure and repurpose as exciting tourist experiences. But not all locals agree. Local nightclub owner Xavier McGee, whose club The Desktop was burnt down three times last week, has a proposal. I'm calling for the local government to institute a plan I've drawn up with some of the other business owners called Operation Nightmare. What happens is that we make everything seem normal, but once the kids are in the clubs and bars... All the lights go up and they discover they're actually in school gyms where they have to sit another exam before they're allowed to enjoy themselves. 
We believe that this cruel and unusual experience will traumatise them into not starting giant alcohol rivers, organising pit fighting tournaments, or blowing up the public library. Aren't you worried that they'll know your plan in advance because of this announcement? Kids don't listen to the radio. Now Sam, what was your least favourite subject in school? Uh, English. But didn't you know that you've been dreaming that you're a reporter and actually the final written exam is about to start? Here's your desk. Here's your paper. Here's your... Ah, this is Sam Castaway, rapidly leaving Shelley Shaw. The Stirling Surf Fun Run took place today. The annual 15km race has become famous for combining encumbering costumes with the scorched heat of summer. A record number of people managed to finish the race this year by shedding parts of their costumes as the race wore on. Those who crossed the beach finish line and did not suffer from heat stroke flung themselves into the ocean. Archie Duster took part in the race, dressed as a giant microphone, and has more. <sighs> I'm with the winner. I'm with the winner of the race. How does it feel to win? <sighs> it feels pretty fucking terrible, Archie. You can feel the electricity. We did for the fans. They got a big break out there, but it was a missed opportunity for the coach who was absolutely livid on the sidelines. But at the end of the day, we gave it our all, oh, played our hearts out, and we have a really great team, and I'm just a part of that. Now help me get out of this bloody brontosaurus costume. Oh, good stuff. Back to you, Walter. There was disruption for Sterling's public transport network today due to a possible security incident this morning. Because we've run out of reporters, we go to political reporter Harold Hughes, even though this isn't his job, who is speaking to the driver involved. I'm with Ken Sandal, train driver. Ken, what happened? Well, we train drivers are all trained to be aware of potential security issues, and as I was going through Lantern Bridge Station, where the freight and passenger lines run together, I saw a man taking photographs of the line. Responding rapidly to this potential security hazard, I rapidly accelerated the 50-car freight train full of iron ore that I was driving so that he wouldn't be able to see me. Unfortunately, as a result of this, my trip through the station took a mere five minutes rather than seven, and while I'm sure that this caused my vehicle to be undetected by the suspicious individual with the camera, it caused me to arrive at the junction ahead of the 8.15am southeastern service to the city. The delay this caused naturally had a flow-on effect to trains, buses, ferries and pedicabs throughout the CBD. Do you apologise to the estimated 10,000 Sterling residents you caused to be late for work as a result? Frankly, no. I don't apologise when it comes to this nation's security, and I don't like people who do. And how do you respond to allegations that you were paid to do this by ride-sharing service Ubermensch to drive up demand for their business? I would tell them to allege not against train drivers lest they become a train driver. Uh, I mean, no, that's completely false. I'm Harold Hughes for EARFM. Sterling Centre for Equality Issues has launched a major campaign this week focusing on gender issues in Australian society. We spoke to Kimberly Tate from the Centre for more details. To get the campaign started, what we're focusing on in this stage is calling upon clothing manufacturers to increase the size of pockets in women's clothes. 
The current situation is simply ridiculous. Do you think we wear pants to look like men? We want the convenience of pockets. Do you know how much stuff we have to carry around in these damn bags? And taking phones and stuff out and losing them? It's a nightmare. A spokesperson for the Allied Clothing Brands of Australia offered this statement concerning women's pockets. Uh, If it'll make us money, we'll probably do it. And we'll keep you updated on the progress of the campaign as it goes on. More news after this. At Kent Brothers Department Store, we're starting our Boxing Day sale two days early. That's right, the Boxing Day sale begins on Christmas Eve. You can't miss prices slashed on clothing, homewares, electronics, appliances and toys. We expect the queues to stretch right in front of the doors of the other two major department stores on either side of us who aren't having sales and are still trying to profit from last-minute Christmas shopping. Well, more for them. Come to Kent Brothers and find the best Boxing Day deal for you on Christmas Eve. Doors open at midnight. Looking for something to do on New Year's Eve? Don't you have friends? We'll bring them along to Wallaby Island in Stirling Harbour for the party of the year. Vodka cruises, glow sticks, high-pitched screaming. Woo! And if you buy your tickets now, we'll let you know as soon as one of the bands confirms. We predict at least 25% of the fireworks will be visible. New Year's Eve at Wallaby Island. You'd have to be hopping mad not to go. <laughs> There's been controversy today concerning the political objectivity of our sister television station EATV, broadcaster of such hit shows as Surf Detective and Australia's Biggest Dickhead. We go over to Preston Barclay at the offices of EATV. Preston, can you explain how you're there when you're currently deep beneath the earth exploring the abandoned Pakulta nickel mine in the state's west? Well, Walter, this is a pre-recorded segment. I'm expecting to have a busy day. Oh, right. I'm with network manager Clive Barnes. Mr. Barnes, how do you respond to accusations that your network is biased in favour of one of Australia's major political parties? Well, Preston, as we're a private business, we're allowed to broadcast whatever we like with absolutely no responsibility to truth or the pretense of objectivity. But what about the media charters which all broadcasters support? Uh, Everyone knows they're not worth the paper they're printed on. A bit like Minister uh, What's-His-Name's autobiography. (laughs) Is this part of your network's new stated policy of cynical television? Very much so. What the public wants these days is sneering, contemptuous flippancy, and it only makes sense as a business that we should cater to that market. So it's the public's fault. What isn't? This is Preston Barkley in the past for EARFM. Minister for Agriculture Johnson Parks has come under fire by the state opposition today after it was alleged that bananas grown under the state's new land management policy have a serious deficiency. Grocers League spokesperson Bill Youngman had this to say. The government's new land managed bananas are insufficiently curvy. You can't sell straight bananas in stores. They look too funny and the public don't take them seriously. We believe that bananas should be taken seriously, and we call on the government to completely scrap the entire land management policy immediately. Mr Parks had this to say. We're not changing a single thing of the land management policy. It's an excellent policy, and it's working 100% effectively without a single problem. Shadow Agriculture Minister Horace Denning called for calm. Uh, Maybe we could have some kind of compromise. This was Mr Youngman's response. No! We want curvy bananas! Minister Parks echoed comparable sentiments. No, 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 no! 
It's believed that supermarkets across the state are hiring extra employees to write the word curvy on the outside of all straight bananas in permanent marker in order to mitigate the situation. Possibly a good opportunity to earn some money over Christmas. The Actors' Union of Eastern Australia has condemned State Minister for the Arts Don Fenton for failing to live up to an election campaign policy of increasing funding for state film programs. Entertainment correspondent Alex Fink has more. I'm with Minister Fenton. Minister, why have you not increased funding for the state's film sponsorship programs? Well, it's quite simple, Alex. I had to think about it, and I realised that Australian films are all boring flicks about suburban families in the bush. No one cares about that. I don't care about it, and I live here. Do you have an alternative in mind? Absolutely. I challenge the directors and actors of Eastern Australia to pitch the most non-conventionally Australian film possible to the Ministry, and my top three favourites will get some government funding. And I'd better not see a single thing about bogans or the gold rush. Australian future science expert Dr Percival Plum has addressed Parliament today about climate change. Dr Plum has put forward a new argument in favour of combating the problem, which he says supersedes all other concerns for the planet's future. Australians' first priority when considering climate change should not be extreme weather conditions. We should be more worried about what happens when renewable energy developments and global warming take place side by side. By the year 2199, frustrated solar-powered robots will strike back at humans for blocking out the sun, and, using our body heat, combined with a form of fusion, power their mechanical cities. Science Minister Kerry Calvin spoke about the impact of this address. Well, it's refreshing to hear from a real scientist like Dr Plum coming out in support of the government's policies. However, I am concerned about these sentient death machines of which he speaks... I believe the Australian people will want to develop measures to protect us from such machines. As such, I will release a set of rules of robotics from a book I once read to protect humans and enslave the machines. It's a plan that can't fail. And to commentate on current political events, we turn over to our unbiased political commentator, Timothy Jock. But before we do so, we should disclose that Timothy is actually contracted to us from the Sterling Semaphore, the newspaper for which he writes his column. This was the very same newspaper that Hartley Shan International has been recently forced to sell to a rival media group following the revelation last week that the company has been violating Australian media pluralism laws for the last 30 years. Now, Timothy... I hope this change of ownership hasn't affected your position as an unbiased and professional political journalist. Not at all. My clear objective lens through which I view the facts is as sharp as ever. In fact, I've never been more committed in my life to my lifelong recognition of the need for international revolution intended to crush the bourgeoisie and institute a state of true communism. Once we've destroyed the greedy capitalists and ensured that workers control the means of production, we'll live in an eternal paradise over which the red flag will proudly wave forever. We will also work doubly hard to annihilate the evil Kyriarchy, working for the true emancipation of women, minorities and people of any ethnicity and culture. 
it's exactly the same as what I've always said, and no change in who's paying me has the slightest impact on the nature of my commentary on the nation's politics. For the people. For the motherland. For the revolution! I'm Timothy Jock. Uh, and in the interests of... balance, we go over to our other, equally unbiased political commentator, Bernard Pass. What this lot on the far left don't understand is that moderate left, or centre left, is the place to be. Just a spoonful of socialism to help the capitalism go down, as it were. I just want the government paying for my education, healthcare, and transport, and stuff. I don't need them to do the shopping for me. Please, have a little dignity. Think of the government like a t-shirt with a funny slogan on it, like I wear. We want that t-shirt of government to be size L, yes, but not XL. That's a bit extreme. Not that there's anything wrong with being size XL, as long as you're not the government. But I don't say that to discriminate against the government, unless they're right wing. I'm Bernard Pass. More news after this. Between punk rock and a hard place, the man won't give you respect because you have too much metal in your face? Come on down to Toby's Tattoo and Body Modification Yard. We can fit you with the latest mods to scare the man into submission. Bring your car, we work on them too. Are you looking for somewhere to store your Christmas decorations after the holiday season? Come to Santa's Workshop Storage and hire one of our Christmas decoration storage spaces. We'll keep your Christmas decorations safe and sound for 11 of 12 months of the year. Think about it. Aren't they just wasting space around the house the rest of the time? Why not pay someone to take them off your hands? Yes, it makes sense, doesn't it? Santa's Workshop Storage. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for investing with AdSafe. A feud between two cafes, the Regency and the Eggs Your Way, has exploded on the social media today. The two factions each claim that their cafe was the first to sell its trademark buttered whole grain toast. Food investigator Leo O'Neill has more. Which came first, the Regency or the Eggs Your Way? Both have become increasingly popular when they started to offer plain buttered whole grain toast for $2.50. In fact, the Eggs Your Way now only sells the buttered toast, having given up on the eggs when they broke their only pot in which to poach them, and never actually having offered to sell fried eggs. Eggs Your Way was the first cafe to actually sell a customer buttered whole grain toast. The owner of the Regency, George Draper, says it's not that simple. Yes, they did actually sell it first, but we had the idea days beforehand. I realised that people wanted to return to the days of simple, lovingly handcrafted food. But I got confused at the shops and got the white bread. I mean, how many types of bread can there be? The success each cafe will have over the next few weeks will depend on the result of this conflict. However, ultimately, their popularity will fade as people can no longer claim... They knew about it before it was cool. Thank you, Leo. Wh- where have you been for the last month and a half? Eating. 
and returning to the unfolding saga of the indiscretions of the late Brad Henry's former state premier, we cross live now to Preston Barkley, who has just emerged from the abandoned Percolta nickel mine. Did you find any nuclear waste, Preston? Preston? Can you hear me? No. I, I, I mean, no. There was no nuclear waste, Walter. There was only... a box. Can you describe it? I'm holding it in my hands, Walter, so so I hope so. It's a few decades old, rusty, an old cash box, I'd say, and there was something inside. Please go on, Preston. It was a document, a paper published in 1987 by the Departments of Philosophy and Psychology at the University of Stirling. Does this paper contain sensitive information? <laughs> You could say that, Walter. I've looked it over, and it seems to be the results of some experiments conducted over the course of a decade, ending in 87, researching on hallucinating psychiatric patients. And were the findings significant? I think they were unexpected. The the findings were according to this paper. Preston, are you there? According to this paper, there have only ever been six states in Australia. Only six? I've always thought Tasmania shouldn't count. It's very small. There is no state of Eastern Australia. There is no city of Stirling. Sorry? Could you repeat that, please, Preston? The paper states that Stirling and its state are... A shared delusion in the minds of its inhabitants whose own deluded consciousness is... Part of the delusion that we are imagining our whole reality and imagining ourselves, and we. I don't. Well, there you have it. Another example of the corruption of the Henry's government, which clearly ran even deeper than was previously known. We have already received a statement from the current administration, signed by Premier Bruce Larkin, declaring that were his government to be made aware of any kind of overwhelming existential revelation, they would disclose it to the public and not hide it in a box in an abandoned mineshaft. More on this allegation that the state and everyone in it do not exist as further information becomes available. Breaking news now as it's being reported that the summit of the Barton Building, tallest structure in Stirling CBD, has just slid open to reveal some kind of laser cannon or similar type superweapon. Judging by the logo on the side, it belongs to none other than Professor Power, Stirling's resident supervillain, who was last seen receding to a dot in the sky when his penthouse apartment was launched into space by the Eastern Australian Police Force two years ago. Apparently, he's back. We go live to special reporter Archie Duster in the EARFM Rapid Response News Van en route to the scene. Are you there, Archie? Uh, Yes, Walter. How far are you from the Barton building? Not far, but the traffic's terrible. We really need that London-style congestion charge. Don't editorialise, Archie. Do we have any idea of what Professor Power wants this time? Well, Walter, remember that ominous letter you received at the beginning of the news, insisting that Premier Bruce Larkin must resign? Uh, I think I put it in the bin here somewhere. We think it's from him. I expect he's going to start blowing up parts of the city if the Premier doesn't respond. Or maybe it's just a science experiment. 
With that in mind, we go to political correspondent Harold Hughes. Harold, do you think that with this action, Professor Power is throwing in his support for Arthur Kelpie and the state opposition? It's quite possible, Walter, and this may be a great boon for helping the opposition gain votes from the more evil members of Eastern Australia's population at the next election. Could that swing the election in their favour? Well, Walter, the evil vote is a significant area of representation in the state, so this may bode well for an Arthur Kelpie campaign in 2017. And it seems that in response to these suggestions from us and other media outlets, Shadow Premier Kelpie is issuing an emergency press conference. We go live to the steps of state parliament. While we, in the opposition... Do not condone Professor Power's malevolent activities in Stirling. We recognise that the wicked population does constitute a valid lifestyle in this state and we wish to reaffirm our party's commitment to offering representation to any and all members of Eastern Australian society. It was expected that controversial opposition backbencher Zachary Bingham would offer his thoughts on the situation, but he seems to be nowhere to be found. Anyway, we go back to Archie Duster. Are you there yet, Archie? What's happening? Is Professor Power about to unleash white-hot laser-based destruction on the shining towers of our great city in deliberate and cynical reflection of the emptiness of modern life? Ah, well, Walter... By the time we got through the traffic, the laser was lying in pieces on the road, and Professor Power was nowhere to be found. All we could find of what happened was a small bottle of perfumed hand lotion and a neatly folded white towel. Well, it appears that Sterling's mysterious toilet attendant has struck again, perhaps diversifying his role from beautifying pub lavatories to beautifying the moral character of the city. Wherever and whoever you are, sir... We salute you. And that's all we have time for tonight. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm Walter Conrad, this is Sterling, and that was the news. Good night. Episode 6 of The Byrne and White News was created, written and performed by Alastair White and Lachlan Byrne. The music was written and performed by Gordon White. Walter Conrad will return. Maybe.